After three friends move into a house, they stumble across the legend of the Bye Bye Man. Now it's a race against time, so we must figure out how to stop this curse before it kills them all. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb J. I'm Connor Izagiri. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, I already kind of mentioned in the plot synopsis, this was actually one of the more horror plot synopsis to come up with somehow in this movie. Uh, we'll be talking about the horror film The Bye Bye Man. Like most films released in the month of January and February, it would get dumped out to the public to face a horrendously negative reception. Uh, critics and audiences did come together. They united and agreed on their general dislike for the film. Now, I just want to quickly put this out there, and it will not change how me and Connor feel about this film one bit. But on a bit of a somber note, it would be the final film directed from Stacy Title due to her untimely death in 2021 after a long battle with AOS. Now that we've let that sunk in, back to shitting on this film. Connor, you with the scores. Yeah, this is uh, not the best swan song one could have, frankly. Uh, This is sitting at an 18% Rotten Tomatoes score, a 22% audience score. Pretty reviled on both sides of the aisle here. Curtis Consensus reads... The Bye Bye Man clumsily mashes together elements from better horror films, adding up to a derivative effort as short on originality as it is on narrative coherency or satisfying scares. That is the nail on the head right there. I I buy that entirely. This is, you know, a patchwork quilt of better shit that won't keep you warm at night. Yeah, I look. So I watched. So I, I this is my second time watching. I've watched it once when it was on Hulu one day. So I was like, oh, why not? Deeply regret it. Um, and then when I watched it again, I watched this on Monday, and for those who probably haven't figured out, I live in Virginia, and as a lot of people know, Hurricane Ian made its way along the East Coast. Luckily, Virginia only really got the storm. Not a big deal, right? But man, Sunday night, because the remnants were coming back down, they put out like, hey, there's a major tidal flood warning in effect for all of the area, blah, blah, blah. And I'm watching this film when that effect was in place, and all I could think was like, if I get fucking flooded, and swept away, and this is the last film I watch <laughs> for the content. I'm going to be so pissed. Luckily, things that it's shifted, the storm shifted, and they dropped our warning. But not the last film I had to go out on. Thank God. Yeah, that would have actually been. I mean, you dead would have been horrible, but the situation. I'm sure 20 years from now, I would look back on it and laugh. <laughs> all i ask oh yeah uh, it yeah dude it so i'm i as a long time any film fan knows and i do think it's kind of changed though in recent years thanks to things like streaming and obviously marvel's pulled that game before they've actually released their movies in february and stuff um but for a long time it's like every single film guaranteed coming out in the months of january and february especially horror films were like the ones the studios couldn't decide what to do with 
They didn't like it, so they dump it out there because it's a quick buck. Because, hey, there's nothing else out. People want to go see a fucking movie. So they go pay to see this. They make a quick buck, and it can be forgotten about. And this is literally how I felt about watching this whole goddamn movie. I'm like, you guys just dumped this out because you could not you could not figure out what to do with the goddamn movie. Yeah, I was, I'm, you know, I was born in January, so my birthday you know, was on the 12th. And as a kid, I liked, you know, I, I wanted to go to the movies with my friends for my birthday. But it was never anything good out. I always had to do like, you know, run over or uh, run off from December and something that I'd already seen that was good. And I remember like like the last time I did that was National Treasure Book of Secrets, which I like. But, you know, I wish I'd had options. Never had options because I was born in Dumpuary. Sucks. It, yeah. Like I said, it, there's been a changing tide, I think, thanks to the streamers big time. Um, and like I said, Marvel, no, I think Black Panther was actually released in February, or they, they've done some big hitters in the early months every so often. February to a lesser extent, I I've always considered it just January. Like I think you know, we've seen in our lifetime February kind of become a viable film month. Like, you know, Black Panther definitely was a big one. Yeah. January though still has this rep. Yeah, it's it. I wish it would just fully go away and studios would just do the same. They just release films throughout the year without worrying about what's a summer film, what's a, a dump film, what's an Oscar. It's just release the fucking film. Yeah. I, I understand certain things, like obviously, like we talked about with Hocus Pocus, like why would you release that fucking film in July? That was stupid. Um, so I definitely get in these some cases of like obviously a, a time release does work, like if you're. You know, obviously, like, you know, Halloween ends comes out this month, right? It makes sense to be like, hey, it's a Halloween film. Let's do it for October. You know, that makes sense. Hey, it's like we got this Christmas film coming out, like uh, Krampus or, you know, Black Christmas 2019. Like, let's do it for Christmas. That makes sense. But other than that, like, stop worrying about when to release your film and having going, well, if it's bad, we'll just wait till January. Dump it out then. We'll make a quick buck. How about instead you just, you know, work on the bad movie and make it better and then release it, you know, release a product you're proud of. I hate that there's some movies that are just write-offs to studios. They're like, and we made it. It doesn't work. And throw it in January. Yeah. Or sell it to the streamers. That's another big one. Oh, we'll just give it to the streamers. Um, Like the peasants down below eating the scraps from from the lords and ladies. Like, it's not what it's like, but. Big studios still think that's what it's like. Yeah. And then, obviously, if you're fucking Warner Bros. right now, you don't even release your film. You're like, ah, no one needs to see that. And you just bury it for no one to see. If whatever studio made this, I don't I don't know off the top of my head, if they can release the Bye Bye Man and still make an actual profit, give Batgirl a chance. <laughs> I mean, oh, come yeah. On. There's some films when people are, I, I, dude, okay, quick, slight little rant. The amount of, like, you know, obviously, like, Facebook and Twitter comments, people being like, you know, a lot of people are obviously of the same mindset, like, no, they should have released the film. But then you got that select group of fucking assholes online. They're like, more no, it's probably good. It's, that just means it was that bad that they had to shelve it. I'm like, you guys are fucking morons. I was like, if films like this and 2020 is the fucking grudge can come out and make even a remote profit, Fuck off. Batgirl stood a chance. <laughs> I watched an interview with uh, Brendan Fraser and Darren Aronofsky over the whale. And the interviewer asked them, so what do you have going on next? 
<laughs> and Aronofsky was like, I've got a play I'm working on something. And Fraser went, Batgirl. Oh, <laughs> like stopped himself like, oh, inside voice talking outside there. And they all started laughing. So at least he's taking it in stride. But we could have seen Brandon Fraser as a bat as a Batman villain. And the fact that I got that taken away from me, I will never be OK with that. No, never. And and I, it especially hurts because that means DC, he must love working with them, right? Because he they gave him Doom Patrol, right? And they he's fucking awesome on Doom Patrol. So clearly, a DC executive went like, hey, we really like working with them. We think he'd be good. Let's see if we can get him to play this part also. So there was a good fucking studio actor relationship literally developing before our very eyes, giving us Brendan Fraser and one guy was like eh, i don't like this film the way it's looking i'm getting rid of it no one can watch it yeah i was about to actually make that noise myself <laughs> reminds me of the scene you ever see the naked gun with leslie nielsen yeah you remember when the fireworks store explodes and he's in front of it going please disperse there's nothing to see here as the building is completely exploding that's been dc for the, the past year Oh, now it's extended to WB itself. Now it's just like, I mean, yeah, WB the past year. Now it's WB just something yeah. like nothing to see here. It's insane. It's it's and then yeah. for him for Zazzle to be like, we are not gonna sell. Like we're a proud company. We know what we're doing. It's like who are you? Who are you speaking on behalf of? Because no one else is on your side, man. No, I'm like you. Are, you have people leaving your studio. It's bad. Over it's. Fucking, I never talked about this before. But yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. It's hard not to talk about you know the skyscraper on fire when the skyscraper is not going out and it's constantly burning and more shit keeps coming out. It's hard to just let that happen without talking about it. Yeah, and it's so funny because we sat here thinking like you know like oh no Disney is buying Fox and. You know, obviously, I would like for all these studios to still exist. So there's obviously healthy competition and things like that. You know, I get that. But hey, Disney's been to me doing a great job with with their handling of of what they bought. Like they have a. Um, I recently listened to uh, Zach Krieger, who did Barbarian, um, talk about his experience. Because for those who don't know, Barbarian Disney film, um, under the 20th uh, Century Studio arm, um. And he actually talked about they were the they believed in the film. They picked it up when all these other studios told him no to his script. They believed him in, in him enough. They at no point, unlike what you always hear about Warner Bros. coming in and telling the people what to do, and now with this Zaslav guy, at no point, and keep in mind, this is fucking Disney. At no point did anyone critique the way he made his film. They asked him, like, did they on the interview like this never come he's like no he's like they let me make the movie i want to make they, they didn't even give me notes or anything they let me do my thing and then the trailer we got disney did that fucking trailer he said that he was making his and also disney's like he showed it and they were like hey we have this one we made you want to look at that mm-hmm. and he goes holy shit this is a good trailer <laughs> so good like trailer. yeah so like that's where it works, right? That's I know we were all worried about that one, but it's like working because from what I'm hearing, they let their creators create, they back off, and the only thing I think Disney does, but when it comes to the 20th century studio thing, is they decide, hey, is this going to be a Hulu exclusive or are we going to do theatrical? Like, what can we do? And that's probably like them talking to like the producers and ha- hashing all that out. Yeah, the money should just finance 
and then just be hands off. Let the, you know, let the creator make what you, what you paid for. That's what it should always be like, but unfortunately, no. no anyway. Not, uh, WB. Yeah. And obviously prime is, I guess, doing good with MGM so far. They haven't really done anything to hinder their, you know, the James Bond franchise. I, I saw that they just advertised on my fire stick. They're like, we have all the James Bonds now on Amazon Prime. And I'm like, oh, shit. Isn't that nice? nice. And me over here with my Blu-ray box set. I can watch them whenever I want, but good for them. Yeah, I mean, I got my Blu-ray box set also. but It's nice to know that that like, I'll never wake up and that just won't be on my shelf. <laughs> that's that's why I still buy physical copies, because I know that'll never happen. <laughs> can you imagine if that's how physical copies work? You just wake up, you're like, something's missing here. <laughs> it's like half the collection's been repoed because... The studio got bought. People just walk into your house and start taking your movies. <laughs> All right, we gotta take this one and this one. I just picture it's like you know when people like you know repossess your furniture. They're like, I got an order here for seventeen MGM horror films. Sign here, please. <laughs> God, that'd be annoying. <laughs> you thought you were going to keep Grindhouse? We're taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, yeah, uh, that's not, this isn't going away, so this is going to keep coming up on all of our shows, because frankly, it's just astonishing. Yeah, and it doesn't, the fire hasn't died. It's a forest fire at this point, it just keeps spreading. I keep picturing the towering inferno in like the, the second half, when the whole damn thing is just up in flames, and Steve McQueen can't do fuck all about it. And Zaslav is in front of that with a amount of cocaine in front of his face. Yeah. <sighs> on a different note <laughs> talking about the bye bye man so i had at first i had a question involving our failures on films on the whole studio system with january and february that month but then yesterday i can't remember a better question because as you as anyone who's seen has, has sat through this film knows it deals with essentially an urban legend which is what sparked my deal for this question a little bit of a two-parter. First one being to you, Connor, are there any urban legends you would like to see? And my, I mean, you know, obviously your classics, but obviously like things like creepypastas, things like that. Anything you think of. Urban legends you would like to see in a film or show that we haven't gotten yet. And if we have already gotten it, would do, is it something you want in a better movie or show? Like, were you not pleased with what you got? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, urban legends are always, you know, a good good mind for creepy stories mostly because you know no one can sue um the one i'd like to see adapted proper is uh baba yaga like not john wick but the the witch in the russian woods not not the baba yaga no i've seen that it's, it's been done very well three times actually <laughs> yeah um but i watched a movie called um don't knock twice on Netflix, which was about the Baba Yaga, and it was god-awful. And I know it could be done better, because it's creepy, you know? You throw a little bit of, like, mama in there, it could work. It could be really creepy. Uh, Slender Man's another one. You know, I'm surprised, considering how popular that whole thing is, there hasn't been a good movie made out of it. There was that one shitty one. But after that shitty one, it was bad. Yeah, and creepypastas are such a great endless list of creepy ass possibilities like there's there was this one i read about like a haunted zelda game dude i yeah i know what you're talking about um 
that's one that's that's one section of the creepy process I would love to see adapted, like the cursed games or like the SpongeBob episode one, like the the cursed key episodes of television video games. Yeah, we haven't yet to see that. I know there was a show I think called Channel Zero that was adapting various creepy pastas, um, yeah. but I think it only lasted three, four seasons. So they only did like maybe three or four of the most popular ones that weren't Slenderman. Um, but no one's tapped into that yet. That like the curse, which I'm surprised with the ring proved you could and smile recently with its box office proven that cursed type films still do well in horror. People like that shit. Well, I mean, they obviously have to start from scratch because, you know, to get the they'd have to get like film rights from Nintendo to do like a proper, you know, haunted Zelda to do that story proper. So they have uh, to probably come up with their own game. Nintendo's not signing off on that. Oh, no. Did you see the, the Super Mario Bros. trailer? I did. And I I still care as much as I did when it was announced. It doesn't look bad, but I also didn't get an uproar over Chris Pratt's ca- casting like everyone else. I wasn't like, oh, my God. I was like. Okay, Chris Pratt's playing them. I never played Mario. I don't have a I don't have any investment in this whatsoever. I, I, I like Mario. I played it. I played the Wii one with my, my siblings. Um it's a lot of fun. I have a, I have one of the games with my Switch. Cool. Um yeah, Urban Legends are, are cool. Um have they ever done like a really good Bloody Mary movie? No, you've only seen episodes of it on TV. I know American Horror Stories, the spin-off of horror story. Um they actually in this recent season they had a Bloody Mary episode type. Or Bloody Mary like episode type, um, it was it was decent. Um, but mainly that shows a, I know like for a lot of people, American Horror Story is a mixed bag, but Horror Story is a really mixed bag. I know what I really want. I really want a a good Shadow Person movie. Ooh, like the Hat Man. I mean, the Babadook kind of did that, but like I want the actual like you know urban legend, the myth, the sleep paralysis. Like I want all of that into a yeah, movie. Yeah, that would be cool. that would be. What was oh god? What was that one creepy part? It had to do with like the long hair and the creepy face. He got like all jacked up and killed his family. Jeff the killer. Yeah, I remember that. There you go. I am dying because just because that image is always like still kind of honestly. I got goosebumps just talking about it. It's still it's a creepy image. Um, I would die to see like an adaptation of that. There was one creepy pasta about it was it was really short, but you could you could turn this into a movie for sure. It's about a babysitter who was you know watching the kids and she wanted to watch TV, but there was this angel statue in the living room that was creeping her out. So she called the family and was like, Hey, can I put a blanket over that statue? And she's like, what statue? Yeah. (laughs) And then like they all, they were all found dead the next morning or something. No statue. Like that's freaky. That was a creepy God. I'm going to use some talking about this. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I do remember. It probably also doesn't help that I have AMC's Fear Fest on my TV because that's what I, as soon as October hits, it's fucking Fear Fest or TCM and they're showing The Conjuring right now. Um, um But uh, it's actually the, the clapping scene that's popping up, I, I believe. Um, but yeah, that would be creepy. Yeah, there's, I am surprised with how popular Creepypasta has been still ongoing to this day that all we got out of it was a shitty Slenderman movie and a, a short-lived TV show. Well, I wondered, like, what's what's the issue with like rights with that? Like, is it is it published work? Is it public domain work? Do people hold the rights to their own stories? Like, how does that work? I I don't know. I don't. I would think on something like Creepypasta, like you would be able to adapt. I don't think it'd be like you're paying like you know a lot of money to someone like Stephen King for Christ's sakes, like. like 
is there someone out there who like owns the trademark on Slenderman? That one maybe. That one maybe. But even then, like, let's say these you still have to pay these people, right? For their creative works. Because they did create it. I mean, if I was someone that created a popular creepypasta like Jeff the Killer or something like that, right? And Hollywood came knocking, like, hey, we want to turn this into something. I'd be pretty receptive to some pitches. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be like playing hardball, like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because I'd be like, look, if I receptive and I just pick the right one, I'm getting money out of this. I wonder <laughs> More than what I typed. <laughs> that is true. I wonder if a lot of it is, you know, Hollywood executives are still, you know, living in the past. They don't see internet creepy stories as a viable source of, like, you know, product. So I'm, I'm sure there's a bit of that. You know, there's always pushback from older studio executives on, you know, anything that looks progressive. I mean, look how long it took Marvel to get a female-led superhero because they had that one prick, like, negating all of Feige's decisions. Yeah, which is why we now have Black Widow, which just feels like it was, as I've said numerous times, 10 years too late. Or it's just like, well, damn. Probably because of that guy. Yep. And then Captain Marvel, which even felt... It, I stand by it. Just felt more like they felt the need to do it. I don't really feel the heart was in that first one as much. But I, I do think there might be, you know, that might be some of it. Um, and again, when it comes to like, you know, anonymous posted stories, I wonder what kind of, you know, how many people would come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, that was mine. Right. And that's why I said, I wonder if they even have to get that. Because like I said, there was a fucking show called Channel Zero, and I doubt they went and talked to those, every single person that birthed those creepypastas. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure they were just like, we, this is a public domain site. We're adapting it. Don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see it done. And I've often thought about, you know, mining that to kind of create my own stories, like inspire, you know, inspiration and all that. But then I think again of the rights thing and like, how similar is this? And then I don't feel, you know, I don't feel right. You know, it's not my, it's not my work. I just wouldn't feel right. So, yeah. but I want somebody to do something with all that shit. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. Um, I, you know, yeah, it'd be cool on that. And obviously, you know, I know we've seen urban legends, like your more traditional urban legends. And if anyone watches any kind of horror TV show, like almost ever, it's going to pop up. Supernatural obviously did it. X Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, probably the big three. They all tackled some kind of popular urban legend at some point, especially Supernatural in those early seasons. Um, but still, it's just. I would like to see like a whole like movie, you know what I mean? Like how we got the Mothman prophecies with Richard Gere. Well, I mean, we got Krampus. That was pretty cool. We did get Krampus. Thanks to Michael Doherty, we got Krampus. Quite, quite big. I'm so hoping that he does an Easter horror film next. But apparently, he's he's claiming that Trick or Treat Two is an actor development, and uh, I know I've quoted my love quite a bit for Trick or Treat. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a damn shame. Maybe, you know, if the the uh, theater release of the first one, if that generates an actual profit, then maybe people start talking about it for real. I hope so. I got my ticket. I'm seeing it this weekend in theater. Um, how long would actually, at the same time that I took advantage of Shop Factory sell or Screen Factory or whatever shell and got their copy of, um, sorry, own it, but I, I saw they had a copy of it, of Trick or Treat, but with more bonus features in mind. So I picked up their copy. <laughs> So I've double dipped and about tripled it for a theater experience. <laughs> but it's always, you know, cool to see an urban legend be adapted to screen. Somebody put their own spin on it. And it's also good, you know, for like cheap 
back of the cat, you know, back of the catalog, Netflix horror movies. It's a good place to start for somebody who wants to do something, but can't quite get their own idea off the ground. Yeah. And I think also like right now, we're just thinking in like obviously domestic terms, but it also works out really well a lot of times in international terms. When you have um culture, other cultures putting in their urban legends and turning them to film. And then you as a film goer that may not be as obviously like, I don't know every Japanese folklore or urban legend that's out there. I'm saying that because we did the, you know, uh, Juan not too long ago, so it's a little bit fresher. And Arrow, listen to me, I guess, and we are fucking getting a goddamn Blu-ray from Arrow. Well, a collection, actually. It's including the two Curse films along with The Grudge. Shit. Yeah, yeah. they're putting the curse out on there. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, What's cool about that, even if like it's not, let's say it's just not intimate or it's not, you don't like it that much, right? For a lot of people, I know for me, it kind of triggers you to want to do some research and be like, well, what's this actual urban legend about? And so I think that's another cool thing on the international side of it is it can kind of introduce you to other cultures, urban legends. You know what I really want that I can't believe this isn't really explored that much. I want more sea monster movies. Like, we never yeah like the kraken or um there was this japanese sea monster starts with an n uh like a whale looking thing one second you do that no yeah uh at seas i mean i'm always a sucker for like at sea horror films that are done really well like just about the isolation of like you can't go anywhere you're stuck to at a boat in the middle of the ocean the ninjen that's what it was called the ninjen it's like a giant humanoid underwater monster thing i just think like all of those you know we have every culture has centuries worth of urban legends about what's in the ocean and that just seems like such a great place to mine for cool potential movies yeah no that would be cool i you know what's one i want and i i stand by my feelings i want a, an actual definitive a more definitive la Llorona movie because i stand by that the one that was may or may not have been part of the conjuring universe I stand by it. It it just should not have been said in Los Angeles. I know what you're saying. Los Angeles has a huge Hispanic population, and you are correct. It does. But La Llorona is such a huge, like, specifically Mexican folklore tale that's like, you should have just kept it based there. Like, I humongous missed opportunity in that film to just not go ahead and just embrace that, place it there, and have people want to actually look it up more. There was a movie uh, released in 2019 called La Llorona, which was a Guatemalan horror film that ended up getting a best uh, foreign film nomination at the Golden Globes that year. And okay. uh, hmm? I was say I have to check that one out then. I think it's on Shutter. At least it was last time I checked. Okay, I have to check that one out then because yeah, I, the reason the fact that they and. I think what bugs me more is less that that they put it in America, which just felt like you're taking away from a, a very specific uh, folklore and tied to a specific culture. Um, but you did it so you could fit in, kind of fit into the Conjuring universe. And it's uh, the flimsiest connection they could have thought of. So it's like, they, uh, it's piss poor. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. Like As someone who has done two deployments, thanks for my time in the Navy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, being out to sea, like a, a, a sea based like horror film, like I, I'm a sucker. Like, just you know, you're out there in the middle of the ocean, 
And all you have to keep you safe is a boat. And you just got to hope that thing doesn't sink. Ghost movie on a submarine. That would be creepy. <laughs> God. You basically, can we just get like ghost ship that's good after the first 10 minutes of the movie? Um, I was going to. Oh, yeah. Have they ever made a Robert the Doll movie? No, they have not. Um, that would be, I would be interested if they did something like that. Um, I know Chucky is heavily, or that was one of the heavy inspirations was Robert the Doll. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I think it was kind of the, I don't think it was really like a, Robert the Doll was a thing right when Chucky was coming out. Well, Initially. I mean, we got Child's Play, we got Annabelle, we've got The Boy, we can have one more. Yeah, I've, I'd be down for Robert the Doll. That, that story, I've, I've looked in that story, it's creepy as shit. Yeah, it really is. The whole, like, you know, you got to apologize to it and, like, give it a gift or else it's not going to stop fucking with you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, all, and you know how you avoid that? Listen to the signs that say don't take a picture. The fact that they have signs. Like, please don't. Please don't anger the sentient doll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, if there's a sign telling you not to take a picture or something, just for once, put, keep your phone in your pocket. <laughs> We did get a movie based off the uh, the Japanese uh, suicide forest, but the uh, movie was shit. I'd like to see that explored better. Yeah, and again, it was an American production starring a hot off of, you know, hit show, Game of Thrones. Act. I don't know if Natalie Dormo is American or not. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't. She might be. I, like, I don't I don't want to say she is and then be wrong, because I know there's also a lot of British actors in Game of Thrones. Um she but either she, way she's English. Yeah. She's English. Either way, it's again just pulling the whole like let's just try to Americanize or in this case Englandize it as much as possible, even though this is again a very specific folklore tied to Japanese culture. Yep. Because people in America don't see shit unless they see people who look like them. It really is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and that that's not me trying I know trying to be like you know don't think i'm trying to be like a, a like a, a white savior like i'm just saying like come on it's specific to the culture so like i would prefer seeing a movie that's specific to the culture not okay let's take it but then we are going to put it in los angeles or get the fucking white lead going there and that's who your fault it's like okay as we saw with when we did you on that you know the culture that grew, you know people who grew up with this as part of their culture are going to put more into the into the story, into the product, than someone who just finds out about it in a different country and wants to do something cool with it. Yeah. That's, that's just, you know, we've seen examples of that many times, and it's always better when it comes from the source. That's just, that's just the way it is, really. Yeah, it's just the way it is. So that is a, I know we kind of started out with like talking about obviously very domestic and obviously with creepy bosses, but just thinking on the international side of it and a little bit bigger, because I know obviously all different cultures have all their different folklores and different. Urban legends and boogeymans and stuff. So, it yeah, yeah, good stuff. That was a that, that was a cool conversation. I enjoyed that. Yeah, interesting. This is what I thought of yesterday. <laughs> I had a different question and it wasn't sitting with me very well. And I was like, I don't really like this. And then I got home from work and I was like, Oh my god, I have it. I was like, This is a urban urban legends. That's the key. <laughs> and, and then my mind also starts thinking about the movie Urban Legend. I was like, why am I thinking about the movie Urban Legend also? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm still waiting for a good Bigfoot movie. I thought you got it with the Bobcat Girlthwaite movie really quick. 
Willow Creek was good, but I want more. Like I want, I want seconds. It was such a good meal. I want seconds. That was a really good movie, especially the the implied shit at the end. Where I was like, oh wait, when they imply what they do to the man and do the woman, I was like, oh oh god. Just the fact that like we got so much out of just you know a couple in a tent, some noises outside, and something pushing in. That's all we had, and it's one of the scariest bits of a film I've ever seen. Yeah, that and like just the lead up where like you start to realize like the town at first you're like wow they really believe in this and then like you know the people are being like no you don't go in there stay out of there and it's like okay what the fuck is going on and just you know knowing what the fate that awaits them and that you know Bigfoot is less of a creature and more of a state of mind like that was that was fucked up <laughs> yeah god uh, I'm not going to ruin like what you isn't heavily heavily implied at the end of the film, for those of you who have not seen it, but it's it definitely makes you go, wait, oh, 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 God, oh, boy. Yeah, without a doubt. I want to see Bobcat do more horror films. Like, that was so good. But, yeah, Bigfoot and, like, you know, sea monsters and stuff and, like, more of, you know, well-known you know, legends like that. I, I'm surprised there aren't more, like, you know, professionally made films in that era. You know, it's not it's not film, but um, there was a show. I don't know if you remember on Animal Planet called Lost Tapes. I do remember that show. Yeah, where they would do like found footage of like things like Bigfoot and the Yeti and all that stuff, and then have experts talk about it. Let me tell you, man, I watched all three seasons. I'm actually trying to hunt that. Apparently, it's on DVD. I've actually have done the whole thing. Let me look on Amazon. Cannot find this bitch. I, I'm going to hunt this thing down because it's corny. It's stupid. But my God, is it a fun show to watch? I seen all the episodes. I remember when I finally caught it, it was when Animal Planet was showed at like two or three in the morning when I was in high school. And I would record it, you know, back when my parents like watching stuff. Um I record on the the living room DVR back when that's how you had to fucking watch stuff. <laughs> and got my mom into it and so like it'd come on i had a recording we just sit there and watch what we record and just get a fucking great laugh out of it's such like an entertaining in a weird way show i watched something similar i think it was called uh fact or faked i know what you're talking about yeah that was (laughs) so basically for those of you who haven't seen this it was uh like a panel like a group of like five or six you know ghost hunters and you know truth seekers and all that would watch amateur footage caught of like you know creatures or aliens or something and then they talk and debate like whether or not it was real and every single video they'd be like oh that's evidence right there how do you how do you dispute that when it's the most goofy looking shit <laughs> and sometimes they'd go out and try to replicate sometimes it would look kind of real and they'd go and try to replicate it and figure out what this was but sometimes it was just like i remember one <laughs> It was a, it was a, a witch video. It was a La Llorona video from from Mexico. It was a guy emerged from a cave, and he's like, "What is that?" And it was a witch that like flew off into this. Like it was a witch on the side of the camera, it, like flew off. But you could tell it was a fucking like witch, like toy thing from Walmart or something. Like a five foot like witch design from a for Halloween that was just like oh, screen. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got some of the guys were like how do you dispute that? That's, that's a witch, right? That's witchcraft. That's magic. And I'm like, what are you smoking, man? <laughs> like, how, how do you yeah, not? Dude, so some guy above it go. <laughs> yeah. 
I watched I watched that all the time because I was I kept hoping to see something real because I was a kid. But sometimes I even I was yeah. like, that's that's the fakest shit I've ever seen. Oh, dude, dude, Lost Tapes cracked me up because they had episodes on like um, there was one, you know, it was like a re- you saw like essentially like they filmed like a little short show, like a little thing with you know people experiencing the thing, right? And then it would cut throughout the story to the experts talking. <laughs> They had one like this family moves to the house, and apparently there's a vampire living within the walls. So we'd cut to experts talking about vampirism, and I was just like, "Dude, are you serious?" Like, oh my god! And it's just like it—it it was so entertaining because of like how they embraced that so much, but then gave us and like, "Well, here's this obviously fake story we're going to tell you." <laughs> and I remember me, my me. Me, like, I watched one of them, my my mom and my siblings. We got such a laugh because the actor, like, it was like, I think the Jersey Devil, so I forget who, what, what it was, or like the fucking, the, the pterodactyl thing that people think is still alive. Um, and like Thunderbird or whatever they call it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thunderbird. Yeah. Yeah. And they're getting attacked by it. And like, the guy's like, we got to get out. But he has like super long hair and it keeps getting the actor's face. So he's like talking down, trying to talk to his boy. He's like, we gotta go. And then like flips his hair. Come on, man. Flips it again and just keeps doing it. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> I it's corny a show, but god damn, if I I would I could sit there and watch it all fucking day and just have a good time. Do you remember? I think it was called Monster Quest. Yeah, yeah, I do. I binged the shit out of that. I would it was DVR on, I think it was sci-fi channel or travel channel or one of those. And it was just like an hour on a urban legend monster. And I kept hoping for footage and I never got any goddamn footage. I just got stock stock footage of the woods and like a bird or a bear or a monkey. It was never anything I wanted to actually see. Eventually I gave up. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I, I am kind of merely a sucker. I'm not a sucker for that one, but like I still occasionally watch like the the paranormal ones where they sit and they talk about not the fucking ghost hunters. I don't know why I can't do it. I don't get America's fascination with ghost hunters. I don't get spooked when they're like shaking the camera and talking about a breeze that I didn't see, but they felt. Like, Somebody once described ghost hunters as people talking shit to ghosts and then pissing their pants when they square up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, but I do watch the ones where like they sit in front of the camera and tell those stories and they do the reenactments. I watch a lot of those. Um, I, I still do. Just, I used to watch them when I was a kid. Got kicked out of them. I still do it. I can't. I can't stop. I once saw a meme that said like, it was describing everybody who talks about their Bigfoot encounter. It's like Cletus was up till three a.m. drinking paint thinner, but but he knows what he saw. Like yeah, that's pretty accurate. I don't tell you what. There's a Bigfoot out there. That damn Sasquatch. I'll tell you what. Hard to believe sometimes. Hard, it's hard to keep that you know that I want to believe spirit when everybody who says they saw something is that exacted. Yeah, shall I go aliens? Right, every time you hear about the person that got like uh, abducted, it's always Jim Bob or it's never a stockbroker from from New York. You know, makes eight figures, highly respected. It's always Cletus from down the road who just lost his job, was on a three day bender. Woke up in a field somewhere. Says he got abducted by aliens. <laughs> he got probed. They always get probed. <laughs> it done probed me in my private parts. <sighs> my my grandpa watched this one. He he loves watching this stuff too. 
And he watched one that he always brings up anytime we talk about it because this dude was talking. It's like, I done seen them. Like, they told me they came from another galaxy. And he, it's stuck in his head because he brings that up all the time. And it's still funny as hell. Like, you're, you're on TV, man. Learn, yeah. how to, learn how to say shit. <laughs> they came up from that their solar system. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway. Urban Legends. Oh, that was a fun tangent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, I figured that would be a much more fun question than talking about a, the, some of the worst months in film. Usually, and we got it. We got into a bit of that too, just naturally. Yeah. I. Yeah. I felt it was going to happen naturally. Anyway. So with that, uh, unless you got more you want to add, we can move on to development hell. So starting off. In the world of literary fiction, actually, Mr. Jonathan Pinner, who was um the husband, actually, the Stacy title. Now, um, you know, obviously widow. Um, they say married until her death. Um, he was brought on board to adapt a script from a book known as a or sorry, from The Bridge to Body Island, which was a chapter, not the book, but a chapter in Robert Damon Schneck's fiction book, The President's Vampire. I have no idea what this book's about. Did not borrow look it up. The President's Vampire? Yes. It's an interesting title. This better be better be about like Ulysses S. Grant and a vampire like killing clan members. What if it's about a dude boxing or something? Just something random. Just completely outside of the title. The President's Vampire by Christopher Farnsworth. Okay, already that first sentence is gold. Nathaniel Cole is the president's vampire sworn by a blood oath to protect the president in America. This can't be the same book. I don't think it's the same book. Anyway, let's not worry about it. We're going to move on. I want to read that though. He's like a vampire secret service agent. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) continue. This book, and this is probably why you can't find it, would later be retitled The Bye-Bye Man, Other Strange But True Tales when it was reprinted in 2016. Bold statement. Strange but true tales. I'll be the judge of that. Heck, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this bye bye man shit did not happen. Probably not. Um, Schneck claims he got the idea for this story based on an allegedly true tale that's related to him. Luckily, I have the deets on that tale. Hmm. Like most adaptations, there would be changes obviously to the title character's mythology. So, before I get into that, those changes though, in the original story. He was an albino man born in New Orleans in 1912. He ran away as a child and became a derelict who lived in a train yard. I'm just I'm picturing the bye bye man as like a homeless albino creole being like, spare some change or something like that. And I can't help it. I can't help so it. I thought of the South Park episode, change. Change. I thought of that one guy selling like gumbo when Cthulhu showed up and he's like, Look at that Earl on my shrimp. Like, that's the guy I'm picturing. <laughs> All right, I gave you change. I don't have any more change. <laughs> oh, All right. So, Bye Bye Man is an albino from New Orleans who's just going through the motions. Continue. Yes. Uh, going blind. Again, not explained why, but after going blind, he began murdering people and cutting out their eyes and tongues. It's got to be hard to do when you're blind. 
a little bit. So I'm like on bullshit. Uh, which she sewed together and brought to life using voodoo. Again, probably hard to sew tongues and eyes together when you're blind, but whatever. Yes, well, he found this is where this again, I mean, he knows he's blind. He's, I guess, a smart enough man. Uh, the resultant creature would become the bye bye, ha, the bye bye man's literal seeing eye dog, helping him hunt his prey. <laughs> and that is the legend of the bye bye man told to oh, Mr. Schneck. That's it. That's it. Albino Creole sewed some eyes and tongues together, made himself a dog. The end? Yes. <laughs> okay, well, I'm assuming this didn't win any awards. No, this is all I could find on it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> That's all I got. So, uh, so uh, some elements from the story mainly the dog and the train motifs that you see plastered throughout the damn movie were kept for the film uh their purpose for those who don't read this like me who did had no idea until I did this was doing this uh research uh their purpose would be left undefined in the film they just were there what's what's with the coins that's the next part i found out good question as for the coin featured in the film the biggest theory, this is the theory because it has not been confirmed, is this being a reference uh, to the uh, Obo Obo from Greek mythology, O B O L, O B O L Obol, I guess Obol. But either way, it's it's a coin which, for those who uh, about to have the light bulbs go off, uh, which was used to pay Sharon, the uh, ferryman of the river Styx, for safe passage to the underworld. Pretty sure it's it's Caron. Is it Caron? There's no way the ferryman to the end to the afterlife is named Sharon. Oh, it's Sharon or some weird thing like that. Caron. Are you sure? It's it's not that, and it's not Karen. I refuse to. I refuse to believe it's Karen. Does God of War ever talk about this? Because it's yeah. Greek mythology. You beat the shit out of him in one of the prequel games. Damn, I can't remember what he called him that. I'm I'm going with Karin because that's the one that doesn't sound goofy. I'm going with Sharon because it sounds goofy. <laughs> that's where the that's where the that's where the theory of the coin comes from. Is that the coin that you would pay him to cross the River Six for safe passage to the Underworld? I had a feeling that's what it, that's the direction it was going in. It's just the movie never bothered to go there with me. Well, because again, the movie does not bother to. Do the one thing it needs to and explain. Yeah, I could use some of that. But then again, the movie would be longer and I would have had to sit there longer. So maybe not. This is also true. Um, outside of that, there's actually not a lot of production history on this film. Um, apparently they had no issues. The only thing they had was a constantly uh, shifting release schedule. So originally it was set for 2016. October 2016 makes sense, right? Hey, horror film, let's get some money there. Apparently, at one point, they were confident enough. They moved it up to June 2016. They were like, fuck this. We we got this in the bag. <laughs> okay. Someone got cold feet, though, and then they pushed it back to December. We got this. We got this. We got this. We, we don't got this. Move it. Move it now. <laughs> move it now. <laughs> and I guess they had zero faith in uh, that Christmas money. 
because they eventually moved it to the actual release date they got of January of 2017, therefore signifying what we got with the film. Unless your horror movie deals directly with Christmas, probably shouldn't come out in December. Yeah, and even then, you better, if we're being honest, you better be a good horror film. As we've seen with something like Black Christmas 2019, that fucking flopped. Be a Krampus. Be an original Black Christmas. You could even be a Silent Night, Deadly Night. Just try. Yes. Just try. You can be a Christmas Evil. I mean, any other insert well-known, popular now horror. You could even movie. you could even be a Santa's sleigh. Remember that? You can. <laughs> you could be a Jack Frost, and I'll let you figure out which one I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's not the Michael Keaton film. Looking back, that's pretty fucking terrifying. My dad died and came back as a snowman. I'd be scared shitless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. With that said, I am looking forward to thinking of Christmas. It's not really a horror film. It's more action. But if y'all have not seen the trailer for Violent Night, oh my goddamn God. Like, that looks good. My favorite thing about that movie is so many people are saying that it's basically the the fake movie from Scrooge with Lee Majors, The Night the Reindeer Died. Like, it's the same thing. <laughs> and that's just beautiful. <laughs> Dude, the cast for that movie, David David Harbour is a fucking pissed off Santa. John Leguizamo playing the bad guy. Like, all right, give me this movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'm going to be there. That, that looks great. Oh, it, oh yeah, it looks good. I'm I'm excited. Um, but back to a shitty film. As stated above, ultimately, when this film would come out, it would not resonate with either audiences or critics. Um, with many considering it another case of a bad horror film dumped early in the year for an easy, quick profit. Yeah, this is the crack cocaine of movie making, basically. Yeah. Basically, hey, get the teenagers in, get the 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 couples that you know. Let's go watch a scary movie for date night. You know, you know, get those people in. Movie will largely be forgotten afterwards. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, just a cheap fleeting high that's not gonna it's not gonna improve your life in any way. Crack okay. <laughs> I stumbled onto an analogy I like, and I'm not leaving it anytime soon. God damn it. Like it's like the one biscuit episode over again. Oh, we are we trashing Fred Durst again? Because I'm one. No, of... no, rain it in, rain it in. <laughs> oh. Rain it in. <laughs> There's, I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities to uh, dunk on the guy who does it all for the nookie. Everybody sucks. That's all I got. Now he has dad vibes. Boom. For those who actually listen to the new album. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for development. That's all I had. There was not a lot. So I really had to stretch out the the uh, the the urban legend backstory, which is why I came up with the, the question of being episode was when I was like, oh, yeah, this is based off some shitty urban legend. I never want to see adapted again. 
I still can't believe that this existed as the Bye Bye Man for so long, and nobody once said this is a stupid title. Let's retitle this thing. I mean, it's like if you know, Freddy was like you know, dream, dreamy stab guy, the Gone Gone Man. Yeah, the the like farewell, Freddy. Hack <laughs> slash Jason. Oh my god. <laughs> I just I took it. <laughs> so yeah. Think about it for a second. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Pint size Chucky. Cheery chainsaw guy. You don't want to upset the cheery chainsaw guy. He'll get you with his chainsaw. Cheerfully. The guy who loves Halloween too much. <laughs> Imagine that was the name of Halloween in 1978. John Carpenter's the guy who loved Halloween too much. <laughs> the guy who loved Halloween too much for the return of Michael Myers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the guy who loved Halloween too much kills. Rob Zombies, the man, the guy who loved Halloween too much. Too. <laughs> oh, titles are important. The guy who loved Halloween too much. Resurrection. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. He's here. He's coming home. The guy who loved Halloween too much. They never call him Michael. He's just the guy who loves Halloween too much the entire time. Can you imagine Dr. Lou was having to say that constantly? I don't. I think Donald Pleasance would have turned it down. But how much Donald Pleasance says Michael hysterically in the sequels? It's funny. Watch the first one. Calm. Collected. Get shit done. By Halloween 4, he is fucking a madman and it's glorious to watch. I can picture Donald Pleasance on his like sixth, sixth take and being like, damn it, John, can't we just give this guy a name? <laughs> Do we have they to say this every time, damn it. I'm getting, I'm getting goddamn flash. I know, I, I did that for you. <laughs> I was about to say, can you, I was like, one of the greatest, other than your rendition of Loomis, one of the greatest moments was when we did that marathon and you finally getting what I meant by Donald Pleasance's, uh, Pleasance's performance. In like four or five and a little bit of six. It's just it's he's a fucking nut job in those movies. It's great. Yeah, and he would have been even crazier if he wasn't allowed to call him Michael and had to give him this giant ass title. Anyway, yeah, I think titles are important. And if you have a shitty one, maybe workshop it with some people who aren't gonna kiss your ass. Yeah, like think about it. if no one workshops head cheese. Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be called a whole different thing right now. I'm going to look up real quick. I remember uh, one of Nirvana's original band names was so terrible. Uh, Nirvana's other names. What were they going to call themselves? Keep going. Keep going. I'm going to find this. Oh, Oh, I was like, are we stopping the show just for you to find? We stop the show quite often. Usually when you look something up and then we're like, oh shit, we have to make talk because you're looking something up that we we're not making talk. Up. Isn't that what podcasting is? Just making talk. No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh or he's looking that up because I don't know how long he's gonna take looking up this damn Nirvana thing. Let's are, am I good to move on to the awards or is that am I moving too oh fast? My God. Continue the show. <laughs> it's fine. All right, moving on to awards. 
talking about the Zack Snyder. I once again don't have a I found it. They were gonna they were considering fecal matter. So you know sad. There's some stupid fucking extreme metal band that's probably called that. Yeah. And there's some that just sound like fecal matter. Like yeah. Like this good. I don't know. I've, there's bands out there. There's a band called Infinite Annihilator for Christ's sakes. Like, it, yeah, um, yeah. The Zack Snyder. I don't have a witty pun. He's been quiet since he's been with Netflix. I don't like that. So I'll just say Snyderverse still sucks. And I'm sorry, but Justice League, four hours long, overindulgent. Come at me. Uh, the worst scene. What do you got? I think Netflix is just locking him in a box somewhere until they need him. Uh, Work on your one movie, Zach, and then we'll worry about your sequels. One of these days, Zach. One of these days. Straight to the moon. Yeah. Can I go back to DC? You don't want to go over there right now, Zach. You don't want to do it. It's on fire, Zach. It's on fire. It's on fire. Well, <laughs> they're not calling you, Zach. <laughs> they have plenty of water, and they're not giving any to Warner Brothers. Um, so this was... I had, you know, quite my pick of terrible scenes in this movie. I ultimately went went with one that just was so, like, out of touch with the tone of the movie. It was such a weird decision. Elliot, who is having, you know, kind of a crisis because he keeps seeing this, you know, dude in a hoodie who won't stop making him think his girlfriend's fucking his best friend, which is really the crux of this. Hmm? PG-13, though. Keep that in mind. PG-13. PG-13. Again, like why? Why would you do that? Anyway, uh, he's driving to the widow's house and he's listening to the radio and it's the song Bye Bye Life from All That Jazz starts playing on the radio and he's like poking at the radio, like turning it up like he's like, oh, that's a good tune while he's on his way to go talk to somebody whose husband killed everybody she knew over this whole situation. It's just like, why are we all of a sudden like chuckling? It was, yeah, it was but- stupid. It was a weird decision. Well, in a movie that doesn't even go for that, like, ever. Like, at no point is this movie trying to pull, like, ah, ha, ha, it's, like, deathly serious. Yeah. Or Exactly. I think if this had been, like, kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek parody of this kind of movie, I think this could have been something. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about that would have worked a lot better than committing to a serious film called The Bye-Bye Man. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that is a good pick. Um, I do, yeah. I like, I didn't even think about that. I think, is it like this being my second time? I was zoned out through a very good chunk of the film because I was like, God, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> this is my first time, and I was zoned out. I had to kind of rewind sometimes, be like, Did that really just happen, or was I thinking of something else? Yeah, yeah, that's because I was like, Oh my god, this fucking movie. Um, for me, and my pick was easy because I remembered it the first time I watched it and I remembered it and it came up again, obviously, because the film didn't change any time between the first time I watched it and now. And that is the scene that just makes my head hurt because of sheer stupidity. And that is uh, Elliot, our main character, going to the library to research the Bye Bye Man. At this point, knowing the rules for this being... And tells the librarian every fucking thing, says his name like 10 times. And I'm sitting there going, You know the rules. Why are you telling the librarian, you dumb fuck? It was very much like, Hey, hey, come here. You ever heard of the bye bye man? Like it was like he was 
trying to ruin her life or something. It was it was a weird decision. Yeah, you're not supposed to say it or think it, but I need I need you to find stuff on the pipeline. Those are uh um one a good laugh. Uh, there's this YouTuber like uh well I like Josh despises because of reasons. Um, but he does a lot of like reviews on YouTube, and uh he reviewed the Bye Bye Man, and he he gets so fed up he did a quick little skit of that where he's like, hey. Can you tell me about the Bye Bye Man? Yeah, the Bye Bye Man. I can tell you about the Bye Bye Man. Yeah, you're not supposed to say his name or anything, but can you, like, I need information on the Bye Bye Man. He's like, the Bye Bye Man? Yeah, the Bye Bye Man. Like, he just keeps saying the name and making fun of the scene. Because it's like, yeah, why are you doing this, you fucking idiot? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. And also, it doesn't really have a lot of payoff later. I mean, he just, like, runs into her on the road and then just keeps driving. <laughs> yeah. In the road, which why was she standing in the road? Why was she standing there? I'm like, okay, I know he's fucking he fucks with your vision and what you're seeing, but what was he doing further? Just standing in the road. And then if you look, you can tell she's clearly like, hey, you need to stop. I'm standing in the road. I when when that happened, I because you know, the first time when he runs into the hallucination of his girlfriend, he's like, ha, wasn't real. I wonder if the bye bye man was off to the corner being like, oh, God damn it, I guess I got it. And then he runs into the librarian and he's like, whoa, whoa, holy shit. Like he didn't plan that. He was just like, Jesus, I guess that'll work. <laughs> I like that. the bye bye man going, my job is done. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> I have earned that candy bar. I'll go get my three musketeers now. I don't know why it just it makes me laugh more to think like he's not going to get like drunk. He's like looking forward to a candy bar. Like he's just so like PG at home, but then at work, it's murder, murder, murder all the time. It's all the murder. <laughs> oh, Doug Jones, why are you uh, in this movie? <laughs> so uh I'll say my feelings for uh things about the bye bye man. In a, in a minute um but yeah that that's 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 my scene just because it's like at this point you know the film tells you everything the character knows everything and he's just without even second thought it's like i'm going to ruin this librarian it's like the librarian has hurt him in the past so he's like i'm going to i'm going to destroy her now I would just post this on like online to make it go viral so that everybody knows about the bye bye man and then he gets like overloaded. That could work. I mean, at this point, he should have. Like, if you're going to the librarian, be like, you know what, bro, you're clearly not following the rules. So just put that shit online. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Just weird. The rules are so muddled. I, I'll, I'm saving that. Um, on that note, can you guess some hints on things I have for a certain award? Uh, let's go on to the Edward, the worst line. This, for me, comes toward the end of the movie. Another just random tonal shift. I don't know why they kept doing this. Um, it's after uh, Elliot has decided to kill himself. And uh, his brother, was it his brother or his uncle? or his brother. His brother, okay. Uh, just is driving home with his... with you know, the little girl and he knows what happened. And I think she kind of knows what happened. He, I think he told her, you know, like uncle Elliot's in heaven or something like that. Cause she's a little sad. Mm. And uh, she mentions like, there was a, 
a dresser outside with writing and he's like what did it say and she goes daddy you know i can't read in the dark what do you think i am a flashlight and they share a little chuckle and i'm like your brother just killed himself in front of you (laughs) why are we chuckling on the drive home right it's like your brother your uncle for little gore like who we haven't seen that side they clearly have a good relationship she loves her uncle um yeah, it's it's a weird yeah. That, I remember watching something like this is weird. This is a weird conversation. So it's just like it the film is trying to be like subversive because it's clearly doing the thing that like let's set it for a sequel and see that he didn't really stop it. Now it's gonna affect the rest of his family. But then she doesn't say it, so it's like, oh well, they're safe because they're not gonna say it or think it like ever. <laughs> so what the fuck was the point of this? We burn the armoire instead of just leaving it outside. Anyway, it was just a weird, like, why a little girl's tone goes from, you know, I didn't get to say goodbye to what am I, a flashlight? Like she's doing stand up comedy. It was it was a weird, immediate shift that I didn't need or want. No one asked for this. <laughs> What's the deal with the bye bye man? Am I right? Like, that's the that's the tone it took. I mean, what is the deal with the bye-bye man? Bye-bye man's in the audience like, oh, ho, ho, I know where he's going. <laughs> you assume, like, chuckle. Ha! Like that, just real loud. <laughs> the only one. He brought his buddies, like, the Duke and, like, the ghost, the guy from Sinister are there, and they're like, why did we Why did we bring him? <laughs> Duke's like, he doesn't have a lot of friends, okay? He... <laughs> We can't all be in successful franchises, okay? My brother-in-law, I promised my wife, just, it's happening, so deal with it. I, I know, I get it. We were in successful films. People love us. I get, you. well, you had a shit sequel, but, like, <laughs> he didn't even have a first good movie. <laughs> I just love him being ostracized from the rest of the horror community, who, like, he's the weird guy who keeps showing up to the parties he wasn't invited for, acting like his invite got lost in the mail. I like... <laughs> I like the idea of thinking of like Sinister and you know no one likes two. The idea of like um in the that that's how they make fun of each other. So they just mentioned like a bad film they were in, like, ha, at least I didn't do Sinister too. Am I right, Bagul? <laughs> I saw a, a funny thing. It was it was Michael and Jason were talking, and I guess Jason pissed off Michael because he's like, You always bring up that Buster Rhyme shit, don't you? Do I ever mention the time you went to space? No, I don't, because I'm a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love shit like that. I know my Rob Zombie years were weird, but I worked through it. I moved on, and now I'm a I'm better for it. <laughs> oh, you're still stuck in legal issues. Shut up, Jason. <laughs> oh. He's like, what about me? Hey, you stay over there, Fred. All right, you should stay over there. <laughs> Fine, bitch. When I get my movie, ha, that's funny. When you get your movie. Yeah, that's right, Fred. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jason here already has a better shot than you do. Anyway, what what was yours? Mine is a kind of a cheat because it is the tagline, but it's a line that's fucking repeated. And that is the, the constant saying of don't think it, don't say it. Look, for those of you who like to meme 
evil dies tonight, and rightly so. They do say it quite a bit in Halloween Kills. I'm not going to take that away. I challenge you. I want to see who says it more. Evil dies tonight, or fucking don't think it, don't say it. And by the way, doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. All right? By saying don't think it, you are inherently fucking thinking about it. Yeah, this is one case where Limp Biscuit could really come in handy. If you got that bullshit going through your head, you're not thinking of anything else, I guarantee. Uh, yeah. One of the um, letterboxed reviews that I didn't end up choosing but made me laugh was a hundred or so repetitions of don't rent it, don't watch it, don't rent it, don't watch it. Got <laughs> uh, that one out real quick, but it's not going to be on my what's in the box. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I said, I know this is a bit of a cheat, but it's just I had to put because it it's just like one, it said a sh- so fucking much to the point of just annoyance. And I would actually, I think it's actually said more than Evil Dice tonight. It said in Halloween Kills. Um, but it's said to the point of annoyance. And then again, it just doesn't make sense. Again, the first part, don't think it. By saying that you are thinking of it, there it's like it's like what is it? What is it? Anyone remember that game? The game that you just lost because you're thinking about it. Remember that? There it is. Yeah. I, I. How many people right now are like, oh fuck, I was winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, y'all. Come at me now. I just beat you out the game. Um. But it's like that, right? It's like, well, by just telling you not to think about it, you're you're thinking about it. like you. You're you're telling yourself not to think about something that you're clearly thinking about. So that's out the window. And then my and then don't say it. I'm gonna tell you right now, you keep saying that like a crazy man, someone's gonna be like, say what? And if you're gonna slip, like the Bible, oh god. Yeah, I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah. So guess what? Don't say the fucking line at all. Just don't I don't know, go watch porn, listen to music, watch a movie. Do things that actually take your mind off it. Instead of repeating this fucking stupid ass line for the duration of the film. Yeah. So many weird decisions in this movie. We'll get there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that is my, that's my Ed Wood. No, a little bit more of a cheat, but yeah, it's it's just bugs me so much. Um. So with that, let's move on to the Steven Seagal, the worst performance. And boy, do we have some pickings on this one. This goes to somebody who I know has delivered quality work in the past. And I don't know why the hell they're here. They didn't need the money. They didn't need the work. Why the fuck did you do this, Faye Dunaway? I thought you were about to say Doug Jones. I was like, don't you dare talk bad about Doug Jones. Academy Award winner Faye Dunaway could have retired 50 years ago. Why? Does like 2010s specifically, mostly horror, have a fascination with taking actors like Faye Dunaway, Vincent D'Onofrio, and inserting them for one fucking scene to explain the goddamn plot of the movie? Don't forget J.K. Simmons and Dark Skies. I'm sorry, J.K. Simmons and Dark Skies as well. He redeemed himself for glorious. Uh, check that out on Shutter if you haven't. He is a voice and it's he's wonderful. I don't. Dark Sky stands apart because that's an actually that's actually a pretty good movie. I do I do remember liking it when I saw it. The movie's creepy as hell. But it is weird that this kept happening. They're like, we need somebody who three generations ago people would have been excited about. 
and put them in a movie to talk briefly about their involvement with said monster. And yeah, Faye Dunaway is here for one scene. She's had quite a bit of work done. So she looks like a plastic rendering of Faye Dunaway. And yeah, when work when, when the work is bad, I'm going to point it out. Uh, and yeah, I just, I know she can do better. I don't know why she's here. And she's clearly phoning it in. She puts on a robe. She talks about her dead husband. She gets lit on fire briefly and then is never seen again. And it is just so unnecessary. You could have gotten anybody in off the street to do this bit, but you got an Academy Award winner to slum it in your piece of shit movie. And this is what you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think of all the ones we named, I think this one kind of like probably is just like, obviously, if you're a film, you're like, holy shit, Faye Dunaway. But if you're watching, you're like, oh, boy. Academy Award winning, like Hollywood royalty, Faye Dunaway. You're uh, you're slumming it up in this movie, aren't you? Yeah, it's embarrassing. And if I ever meet Faye Dunaway, I'm I'm hoping I can ask her like, why did you do that? You should act like this is the best thing she's done. Get like find a DVD copy and get like her autograph. I loved you in the Bye Bye Man. It's my favorite movie. Oh, oh, my my neck just got sore saying that. That didn't feel right. Ah. Oh god, that that was a good pick. Um, I surprised didn't pick her. Um, I'm as much as I hate this trope in a lot of 2010s horror films, did not pick Faye Dunaway. I actually picked from the main cast because I didn't think any of them were that great. Um, and apparently I picked the one that has gone to bigger and better things. So hey, good for her. Um, but if that hint wasn't enough, I picked Cressida. Cressida, Cressida, how you say it? Bonus, bonus. Uh, I'm gonna go with Cressida, but Cressida Bonas. That's what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, Cressida Bonas. Uh, she plays the girlfriend to Elliot. What do you mean by bigger and better things? Is I don't see any of that here. She was in something I watched recently that was a lot better. Sure, because she's done like all British soap operas and shit. You sir are a liar. Because now I'm looking it up. There was Doctor Thorne which I know you didn't watch. Tulip Fever, which I also know you didn't watch. How do you know? The Murders of White House Farm. Did you watch that? Definitely. I, I don't think you did. I that's that's it. That's all she's done. <laughs> so bigger and better things. I stand by it. It's not the bye-bye man, so it's definitely better and bigger. <laughs> all right so how about you shut your stupid mouth sir go fuck yourself all right god damn it <laughs> piece of shit either way she plays the girlfriend to the main character and look i'm gonna say right now none of these leads are good not a single guy elliot's not that great his his buddy who i've forgotten the name of already not that great um but i don't know if it's like the writing or that but god damn it it's literally just she's really not that great performance wise in this movie and all she is in this movie it seems to be is the girlfriend that may or may not be cheating thanks to the bye bye man messing with reality I will say Douglas Smith who plays Elliot actually did go on to bigger and better things he was in Don't Worry Darling he was in an episode of Clarice 
He was in The Alienist. He was in Big Little Lies. So he actually did do. I, none of that sounded great at all. It's it's work. It's be, it's more work than the girl got. It's still work. She still got work. Two two projects no one's heard of. He was in Don't Worry Darling. That was big ish. That was big because of the controversy surrounding the behind the scenes. Still big. Still a movie in theaters. Yeah, she got a movie in theaters. <laughs> she didn't. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> she didn't though. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> This is a weird hill to die on, man. <laughs> I I will continue. Why did he call? Her, why did he call her Bear? What? In the in the Bye Bye Man, Elliot, he called her Bear. He did, I may have tuned out at that point because I don't recall that. It's at the beginning when you first met them. Oh yeah, I have no idea. Um, either way, so everyone, you know, bigger, everyone involved, bigger and better things. That's good. Um, but uh, yeah, she's not great in this movie. No, everyone sucks. Everyone sucks. I just picked Faye Dunaway because I know what she's capable of, and I know she didn't need to do that, dude. Honestly, like they have her. They try Carrie Ann Moss into this. Doug Jones, I'm like, you have a lot of people that have gone on that are definitely just better than the material they have been handed. Why are they in this movie? The guy who shot up the family at the beginning was Lee Winnell. Yeah, I know. I'm, it, I, I'm actually going to save that for a special award, but yeah, I'm like, why is Lee Winnell in this? James Bond didn't work on this movie. Um, <laughs> it's like, I feel like there was like blackmail and a lot of favors called in or something. Something. Yeah, it some of the names they put, I'm like, why, why, why? Even the guy who played um Elliot's brother, I've seen that dude in our shit that he's good in. I'm just like, why is he in this movie? He was in Next. We did Next. He was in Next. I've seen him in stuff outside of Next though, because I recognize the face. He's the bad guy in Hush. Oh, see, there we go. Yeah, he's been in better stuff. He was good in Hush. I like Hush. Oh wait, no, he's not the bad guy in Hush. He's just in Hush. Still, he's in Hush. Better film. Yeah, true. Bigger and better. Fucking knocking out of the park with that one. <laughs> now that uh, we've covered, now that we've gotten out of the way and know that Miss uh, Bonas has gone on to bigger and better things, but sucks in this film, we can move on to Michael Bay. Worst filmmaking decision. What? Did you come up with? I was going to play it safe and just be like calling it the Bye Bye Man is so goofy. It sounds like a segment from Barney and Friends. Um, But I had to go with something else because I was like, did they really just say that? It's when he's uh figuring shit out with the widow and he's like. He's, he says, you know, he figures he has a um, epiphany when he's like, if we don't fear him, he has no power. And I'm like, yeah, I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street too. That's that's great. Uh, you want to come up with something original for once? That'd be nice. So ripping off Elm Street with that little bit was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see that. that. 
honestly, ever since I've seen that in so many horror films, I don't even know if Elm Street was the first one to do it, but so many horror films love to play that trope of like, if we don't fear it, it can't. I'm like, oh I boy. Want, I want someone to be killed while they're saying that sentence in a movie. That would that would be great. Just to kill that trope forever. If we don't fear oh god, you killed me. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it. Yeah, that was. I, I remember watching this like time. It hit when he started doing that, and especially like the moment he gets like the smile on his face and the music rises, and you're like, oh, oh boy, oh god. I'm like, oh yeah, they're playing that card. If you don't fear it, you can't hurt me. It's not how this works. Oh, and yeah. It. Oh god, and it. Look, I'm not look. You can still pull that trope. You can still pull the like if we don't fear it and it works. If you just have a better film attached, um, or if you just play a little bit like to an extent, uh, without getting those a certain horror film from this past year, um, that kind of did a mix on that trope, but the movie was actually really good and they made that fucking work within the movie that it was like, oh, okay, it didn't bother me at all. But in this film, it's like, oh, it feel, it's like you said, it just feels like they're playing off of pirate films. In this case, right now, on Elm Street, where you're just like, oh, okay, pulling from our shit. Well, to me, it's also just this movie has been lazy to begin with. And now it's like, I don't really want to write an ending. Uh, you just watched Elm Street last night. You're like, ah, oh, fuck it. And they stop believing it, it, they win. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> As it just reeks of like a complete lack of creativity. Yeah, so yeah, like I said, it you know it's the case. I guess it would trope, right? It can work if done well, but the movie has to be good essentially, and you have to so that if you do commit to the trope, it works. Or if you're willing to kind of play it, again, I'm not going to name the movie for those of you. It's a little bit more recent. Um, when it comes when it comes to tropes, though, like I don't want to just I've I've seen this all before. I've seen this done. If you're gonna do a, a typical kind of expected horror trope, put a spin on it. Do something. Make it your own somehow. So do basically what Smile did is what we're saying. I know you haven't seen it yet, but right, Smile, for me as a lot, you know, I know you were championing it more. I re- I watched it. And I went, my God, I've seen the ring. What the fuck are you bringing to the table? Yeah. And I can honestly say, and it's safe to say, it sounds like based on his box office, a lot of people saw it. Thankfully, um, I was wrong. It yes, it's a familiar concept. We've seen a cursed film before. But like you're saying, it did just enough different. And the uh, writer and director, Parker Finn, put his own spin on it um, to make it work and make you invest and get you invested and enjoy the film. You know, he added the element of mental health into the film. That's not spoiling anything. It's in the trailer. So don't freak out on me, anyone. Um, but, you know, he you know, yeah, like you said, he put a spin on it to make it to make that film engaging, to make it work, to get you involved. And it, for me, as someone who was going to write it off as a trailer, one of the biggest surprises right now of 2022 for me. So, you know, that worked. This, they don't bother to do any of that. It's just so hard to be original, especially in horror, that, you know, a lot of, you got to fall back on some tropes just to keep the audience interested and invested. I get that. But also, if you're talented enough and you believe in the work enough, you can use those to your advantage and make something that's wholly yours. And those are the filmmakers I respect. Yeah, I and mean, with and yeah, with that, for I tell you guys mine. I after I, I know you're planning to see Smile soon. 
and I'm sure we want to see your Grimmy. I am really looking forward to what uh, Mr. Parker Finn has up his sleeve if he sticks to horror after seeing Smile. Very curious with that. Guy. Tell me this. Do you know if he has a background in comedy? I don't think he does, no. Okay, because it'd be crazy if that happened again. <laughs> right? Yeah, between fucking getting comedy guys to do the Halloween, recent Halloween films, and then Zach Krieger, for those who don't know, um, a little show called The Whitest Kids You Know, fucking writing, directing, barbarian, like, and then Jordan Peele, it's like, damn, comedians are just fucking crushing it. Yeah, it's insane. So, all right, this guy, Parker Finn. Okay, no, no background in comedy, but this is like his first major project. So, still cool. Good guy to look out yeah. for. Yeah, absolutely. Based on his box office, I I see him getting more work. So, hopefully, I mean, if he doesn't stick, if he doesn't stick with horror, and he goes on to do it, I'm still very interested in what he does after seeing Smile, but. Part of me does hope he stays in horror a bit longer because I did like what he did with Smile. Um, but on that note, let's—I like how we keep basically trying to talk about good films and not, <laughs> not the Bye Bye Man. Ah, <laughs> uh, but with that, let's let me talk about my Michael Bay. I again, I got cheated because I was trying to pick between the two I had right now. I said, "Fuck it," unless Connor takes one of them, I'll just say both of them. Just fuck it, and you didn't actually. Um. So my first one is that this film hastily sets up a bunch of rules that it proceeds to at any no point whatsoever, as I talked about with the library scene, bother to follow at all. It at one point it it goes from like setting up rules that it doesn't follow to just forgetting it has rules and everything gets real murky towards the back half of the film. Yeah, you're right. It's annoying. It's why it, you know you don't bother to get invested because if they're not invested, why the hell am I going to get invested? Yeah, it's like it's like you start to get to the point where you're like, well, wait, what are we establish? Like, what are we establishing with this guy when it comes to like what I need to expect? You know, one thing that any good, you know, any uh, any film, I'm not going to say horror, but obviously horror, big time, right? Is rules are going to be established that you that you have to follow. Now, a lot of film- filmmakers will talk about that. Can you break those rules? absolutely but the key is you have to establish them first you have to set them up and you have to show that you're willing to commit to them to then say we're breaking this one right um obviously a more recent example without spoiling the film for those you haven't seen it yet barbarian that's zach Krager set up his rules he clearly understood his rules and he then went out of his way to say now i'm going to break some stuff but when if you watch it you'll get what i mean it never feels like the film's getting lost at that point or getting murky. You still feel like when he breaks it, you're still in the hands of a capable writer director that knows what is happening next. That's true. In this case, I do not feel that. I feel like somebody capitalizing on the success of films like Sinister and Insidious and the Babadook and like creepy, you know, ghouls and shit and just hoping people get on board. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It just felt like they were just like, us. Oh, Let's just coat and then hope that people get on board. Which, again, the only thing on board the box office it did get was because it was January. There's nothing else out. But everyone, those who watched it were like, this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to eat the stale crackers, but if I'm out of food, I'm eating the stale crackers. <laughs> that Pretty doesn't much. mean I'm going to enjoy it. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Um. So that was, that was the first one I had. And the second one 
those who like the slasher or any horror film known to man, when you think Jason, when you think Michael, Freddy, Chucky, hell, even goddamn Leprechaun, what, if I say those names, right, and you're a film buff, you know anything about horror, even fucking Pumpkinhead, tell me, all those names that I mentioned, did a good chunk of those just pop into your head, how they look, right, their image? Yeah. Because they're ingrained in you, where it'd be someone like obviously Jason, he was a pop culture phenom. Or even if you're a horror fan, you say Pumpkinhead, and everyone just immediately, you just go to Stan Winston's image he put on screen for us to enjoy for all these years. So I'm saying this because the look of your creature is very, very important to your horror film. And that's why the second one I put was the goddamn look of this creature and that horrendous cgi dog who thought it's like they just went up to doug jones and went okay look man we're gonna put on like some pants a shirt and a hoodie we'll call it a day that's it that's your look i feel like doug jones you know got up went to work went to the makeup trailer wearing pants and a hoodie and they're like oh my god that's perfect and he's like no this what no no (laughs) This is why I came in to be comfortable. I put makeup on me. You guys know I'm Doug Jones, right? It's so lazy. It is remarkably lazy, especially since, you know, the whole movie is built up to this entity. Like, I wanted, it, I was hoping at least that would be something to, to see. But no, it's just Doug Jones with like some makeup that looks like it can be put on in a half hour and a hoodie he brought from home. <laughs> yeah. I, I, did, I fucking hate that this is like, was within the same weekend I watched Smile which had a buildup throughout of like, what the fuck does this thing actually look like? And guess what? That film, when you see it, pays off tremendously in its look. It, me and a seasoned horror fan, I was a little unsettled. I'll say it. I, was a little, I wanted that thing off the screen. It was creeping me out. It's um, good to know. Yeah, and then that's only one form. You see like several forms. It, it, yeah, it's an batshit ending. Um... I hate that I got that on Friday just to then turn around and watch this and go, oh, this is what happens when you don't care about the look of your character. And then I'm thinking, like, well, he has the dog, right? Maybe the dog's going to look badass. It is so fucking clearly CGI'd. And you're like, ah, oh, god damn it. Yeah, the, the the dog was so unnecessary. It never does anything. No. And you want to know how fake this dog looked? For those who probably have listened for a while, know that I have an issue with my dog. That if he sees a an animal, specifically a dog on screen, he gets really close to my TV because he can be the only dog around me. At no point did he give two shits about this one on the screen. At no point did I see my dog get up and try to get to the TV. He just was like, "Yeah, that's clearly not real." Even your dog was a, like figured out that wasn't a dog. That's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Oh uh, yeah. What a lazy design. Like the movie did, you know, I'm, I can tell you right now, I'm never going to say it. I'm never going to think it. This is the last time that I'm ever going to really have this movie in my life at all. Oh yeah. I, now that I've gotten this out of the way on the show, I'm never, those, there's no third watch. <laughs> no, this is, this is it. Ugh. I, as, as a single man having fun, if any woman, Ever is like, do you want to watch Spy by Man? It's one of my favorite movies. I'm leaving or kicking her out, depending on the location of the place. I would um, love if it was at your place and you just left. 
<laughs> you were so pissed. You're like, I don't even want to be here. And you just took off. I leave. I come back in. I forgot my dog. I just grabbed my dog. Come on. I'm not subjecting you to this. You leave. You go get a beer. You come back two hours later. She's still there. She's finishing the movie. She's decided to watch it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God. So, was there anything positive about this movie? Let's let's find out. Well, let's let's yeah, let's find out. I was about to ask you because let's move on to the server lining. Let's see if we could come up with anything. Arlene, obviously, I know what I put, but I'm curious on what you were able to pull from this film. Uh, I <laughs> okay. So I did have originally the scene where he plows into the librarian because I thought that was funny. Uh, but I decided to rethink my my thing. I went with uh. The opening sequence where Larry just starts gunning down his neighbors. Did we did we put the same thing? If you put that sequence. Yes, I did. There, hey, there it is. It's the one good part of the movie where you don't really know. You don't know what's going on. You just know this guy took out a rifle or a shotgun and starts killing everybody he loves. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? It's, it's a good opening. It's like it's part of a different movie. Yes. And I even put in my notes like the film never. It's, a, it's an opening which is a. Is, oh yeah, I put this is what I wrote it as. It's creepy, intriguing, and promises an enjoyable horror film, which the film never delivers on afterwards. Um, that's how I wrote it. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you. You know, it's funny. A lot of people like to bitch about um Blade Rennell's acting because for those who don't know, like obviously he's been in a lot of James Bond's his buddy, him and James Bond are buddies, and he popped up obviously in the first Saw. He's in the Insidious films. I'm sure he'll. I don't know if he's going to be in the fifth one coming out next year or not. Um, but you know he, you know he pops up and stuff, and people like to bitch about his acting. It's kind of like when Rob, you know, it always pops up when Rob Zombie film comes out, right? Everyone bitches about Sherry Me Zombie. Um, it's kind of the same thing I see with this. Like everyone's like, he's not even that good. But fuck that, I think he's fucking excellent in this opening scene. Yeah, if Rob Zombie can put his wife in his movies, so can James Wan. Yeah, it's not his wife; it's his buddy. But yes, I know. For me, like when it comes to his acting, it's just that one scene where he like. Fakes being a, like fakes the poisoning and saw that's that's it for me. I don't mind yeah. anything else, but that bit I'm like, are, we, are you serious? Yeah, and even, but even then, I always like I've always kind of chalked that up as that he's acting as if he's you know what I mean, like he's acting as if he's dying. So it's like I know it's just it's so ridiculous. It, it's really ridiculous, but I that's how I try to judge it to not laugh sometimes. Um, but yeah, it, no, he I think. Yeah, I don't think one. I don't think he's that bad. Obviously, we we've learned he's a fucking powerhouse director. Um, but uh, I don't think he's that bad. I actually really like him in these his films. He cracks me up, and I think he fucking he is the only one delivering anything in this movie. Like this whole, like you said, this whole opening scene when you just see him pull up, and he's like, "Did you say it? Did you say his name?" And you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And he's like, "He just the way he just turns around is like." I'm real sorry about that. I have to do this. And he pulls the shot. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? And then like the way he's just like the camera falls and walking across the street. And he's just going, don't think it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. It's the only time that it, that, that them repeating. It's actually effective in my opinion. Um, With that opening, I kept thinking like, I think people might've misjudged this movie. This looks like it's going to be awesome. And then it wasn't at all. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a it's weird. You don't see that happen a lot when the opening is like, oh, this is amazing. And then the rest of the movie is absolute horseshit. 
Yeah, you know what's funny? The few it's um I've seen people like when they do their views, like again that YouTuber that did the this funny skit, he does his where he does like he talks about the pros, what he found, what he was mixed on, the negatives, and his you know his overall thoughts. Um, that was his one pro. He's like the only pro guy for this film is this opening scene. He goes, I don't know who shot this scene, but it feels like a completely different fucking movie than what I got. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> That's my thoughts exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, this is, this is, and I have seen kind of across the board from a lot of people that, yeah, a lot of people seem to be on a unanimous agreement that like the opening scene's great and the rest of the film is dog shit. And yeah, it's like, what happened? Like this opening scene sets up something that's going to be like, oh shit, what is this movie I'm about to watch? And oh boy, do we quickly dovetail right after? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Ah, damn shame. Yeah. But wow, that's I think that's a first for us to have a the same sort of aligning. I think that's happened yet. Well, I don't know. I don't save any of this stuff. <laughs> I data dump like crazy. As soon as those was, I'm like, whoo, I barely have I have issues, you know this, remembering what we're doing on the following show, like the following week. I'm always like, you always ask me, what are we doing next week? I'm like, I don't fucking know. As soon as I record an episode, anything I have associated with that episode is wiped clean to make room for the next episode yeah i can't i i i can't tell you what we're doing next week because i'm so focused on the episode at hand and as soon as i get done with the episode at hand, i'm like i don't know what i said anymore and i don't listen to the shows i'm on because i just don't i'm i'm like that actor that doesn't watch their own stuff because they hate the sound of their voice that's me i, just, I, I used I, can't do it. I, I used to listen to all of our stuff and then we started doing too much stuff and i got back backed up and i'm like i'm not gonna go through all that and that was like a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> so nah. I've only ever done the films that if I'm not on it and it's a film I have seen. Yeah, that's good. I've obviously seen all of them because I'm on every show. <laughs> hey, you, need to, you need to work on taking a vacation there, buddy. Oh, wait. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> yep. Give it a couple weeks. <laughs> yep. You're about to get your vacation. Um, unless you have more to add to this illustrious film, we can uh move on to um our favorite little segment of what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? So I'm pretty sure uh, we are setting a new record of the lowest scored film we've covered on this show yet. On Letterboxd, the Bye Bye Man is rocking 1.5. Out of five stars. God, that is that is rough. I think the previous, I think Green Lantern might have been the last. I think that was like one point seven out of five. I think that was the last really rough one we we got to. So here we go. Bye bye, man's the one to beat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, here are five uh, reviews. I don't. I don't like how we beat our own record on the show when it comes to like the numbers. That means we watch something even worse. Oh, I've looked at this at the at the potentials list. There, there are there's always room to go lower. <laughs> Other shows aim higher. We aim lower. Want me on the bad? Yeah, this is an entire hour and a half to two hours of just slumming it every week of just watching the dregs of Hollywood and we do it for your entertainment pleasure. So we hope you enjoyed this show. 
because I hope I hope at least one person out there listens to this one. It'll justify all of our hard work for this nonsense. Uh, here's number one. This is from Ty. Expected to see a cameo of NSYNC's song Bye 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 somewhere throughout this film. Opportunity missed. One star. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Ty. That would have been, I don't know about great, but it would have been memorable. That song is way too good for this movie. <laughs> this movie I'll say it right now. A 90s boy band shout out. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah, that song. No, that song is so much better than this movie. <laughs> That's right. I know that song. I used to jam to NSYNC before I got into like the music I got into. It would have been even funnier. There is an NSYNC song, but it's Rock Your Body. <laughs> Rock Your Body. They don't even use Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> All right. This next one. This is from Caleb with a K. So some Mortal Kombat variant of you out there. I was like, not this, Caleb. (laughs) The thing that scares me the most about this movie is how someone came up with that title, thought about it, and decided, yeah, that sounds good. One star. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I that is this might be the worst titled film I've ever heard of. The (sighs) bye bye man. It literally sounds like some mother goose bullshit you'd hear on like the Teletubbies. I know. I own a film on DVD called Things, so. Not a great title either. This next one is my personal favorite. It's from Sam Cohn. Three-time Academy Award nominee, Faye Dunaway. Half a star. That's That's it. (laughs) Just pointing out, she's in this. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) All right. I love this one, too. This is from Jess... Svensgard, one of the horror films ever made. Five stars. <laughs> of all the horror movies ever made, The Bye Bye Man is one of them. <laughs> no one can argue that. <laughs> it's a horror film. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, boy. And this last one's from Annabelle. Two words. List of alternate names my brother gave the bye-bye man while watching this awful movie. The Farewell Fellow. The Goodbye Guy. The Sayonara Senor. One star. <laughs> I would 100% watch the Sayonara Senor. I was like, I really like the last one. Bye-bye man shows up in a sombrero with a Latin mustache and a chihuahua. Movie immediately jumps up five points. That other farewell fellow, I just feel like he has to be like really sophisticated. He's in like a three piece suit, British, mo- like a monocle. He's got a bulldog. <laughs> oh, well, chop down. And what was the other one? You said the goodbye guy? Goodbye guy. And that's just like some tie dyed Matthew McConaughey dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just keeps going, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Well, that's what's in the box. There's very little love for this movie. Everyone was basically like, I fell asleep or I didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah. Was there any, like, did you see any actual positive reviews on me? Like, I like this movie. Some of them, but they're mostly just, like, pretty sarcastic and like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. This is a good movie. It's people who just, like, 
you know, shave against the grain because they think it makes them look exciting. Ah, uh, those people. Yeah. Ugh. Contrarians, I think they're called. I believe so. I don't want to spend too much time talking about them. I don't want to give them power. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> hey, don't think it, don't say it. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. All right. On that note, let's do some of uh, the social media cleanup and reveal what's going on next week in our shows. Or this week in some cases, because of when we come out. Um, before I reveal what next week's episode is, be sure to follow us on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. Finally, feel free to get on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, and all of our episodes. Next week, we'll be looking at a horror icon's more reviled bit of work he put out in his later career. Not his last film, but it, it almost was. Uh, the West Craven film, My Soul to Take. I know nothing about this movie. When we were doing our West Craven like ranking thing on the sneak preview, this is one that you pretty much told me, like, don't bother. Yeah. It's not not a highly or it doesn't even have like the kind of like the cult backing that like Curse does because you know that has at least the production history to kind of support right people back it. This is like it uh <laughs> But I wanted to I want to put a horror icons film in the month for October, and by then I want to do something we didn't do a lot of, so it's pretty much like tossing between him and John Carpenter. So we've done quite a bit of their work. Um, I just also went Russ Craven. I don't know why it just felt right. So who knows, John Carpenter? Sorry, you might be on the docket for next year. Hope you did Ghost of Mars. I think. Oh yeah, that's why. I think that's why I was like, well, we already did a John Carpenter film. So let me do this. I had like a I had reasons for like each film I picked, by the way, for October to do it. This one was just to do something that was quote unquote original, but bad. Um so yeah, Rest Grand Film, my soul to take. Join us on that one. On Filmgasm, we'll be having a debate, probably more than likely, at the once forgotten, but now beloved by a lot of horror fans, and in my opinion, rightly so. Third installment and one of Horror's most prominent franchises, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yeah, well, we'll see. I I'm, I doubt a lot of what I think is going to change here, but, you know, that's what I said before we did Texas Chainsaw 2, so I don't know. Yeah, and I don't want to get my hopes up in the hopes that, like, you know what, Texas Chainsaw 2, I'm like, nope, I'm just going to keep my, my expectations low. I'm just going to keep them low. Because you, you just disappoint me sometimes. But on that note, on Oscar Sunday, uh, they'll be looking at the honestly really good. I've seen it myself, quite enjoy it. Um, boxing drama, The Fighter. Yeah, uh, we were uh, we're doing a big spotlight on Christian Bale. Going to do our top five Christian Bale performances. Uh, we were doing this in honor of Amsterdam, which we intended to see, but that is getting eviscerated by critics, and I'm probably going to pass. Yeah, I actually thought the trailer looked pretty good to that. And I I know David Russell is like a fucking maniac behind the camera, but I, I personally did actually quite enjoy um Silver Lions Playbook and American Hustle. Um and he did he did the fighter, right? Yeah, that yep, he did. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, he did the fighter, yeah. So I've enjoyed what he's done, but and I was like when I saw the trailer for that, I'm like, oh okay, I like his past movies. This actually looks pretty good. 
But yeah, I noticed that it's getting like destroyed. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. It 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 belongs here <laughs> more than any of our other shows. I was not expecting that. So maybe no. in a year or two we might do Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. So yeah, I was actually kind of looking forward to it and I'm seeing it and I'm like, oh boy. Um so yeah, but with that, obviously you guys are talking about the fighter. So again, if you guys haven't seen it, it's it's a solid film. Solid uh film with uh Christian Bell and Mark Rarberg, Amy Adams, and it 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 to quote it fucks. To quote to say an old saying, it fucks. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, I do cry for that movie. So until then, just remember, don't think it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Bye-bye, man. See you next week on Beyond the Bad.